Hey friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that. We've built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, master classes, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, you just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire Curated Pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways. As a Community Plus member, You'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash communityplus. Or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing is Wasted podcast. My name is Aubrey. And my name is Davey. And um, we're excited that you're joining us today. We have a wonderful conversation with Esther Lee. Mm. Um, it's a very heavy conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, anytime that you are... You know, loss loss is loss. Pain is pain. It hurts yes. and it visits all of us. But I don't know what it is, Aubrey. Um, you know, as a parent, when I hear someone talk about the loss of a child, it guts me. 
Yeah, it just guts me. Uh, there is. I mean, uh, you're right. Pain is pain. Suffering is suffering. And yet, I think all of us kind of know, like, because it's so um, unnatural, it's yeah. so unjust. Like it, yeah. there is just not a way to uh, categorize, make sense right. of, understand the loss of a child. There's just not. I mean, yeah. it just is like. It's why I I really think like the way ancient people thought thought about death as chaos. It's like mm. you like literally you can't make sense of it. It's illogical. It's disordered. Sure. That's the loss of a child. So this story yeah. is, I mean, Esther Lee's mm. heart and story are so vulnerable and so powerful because she's walked through the loss of a daughter. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, uh, you know, awful. And yet yeah. I'm so grateful she's here with us today. I think our listeners are going to be, you're all going to be so powerfully impacted by her yeah. today. One of the things she said in kind of our pre uh, interview or pre-conversation mm-hmm. um, like forms that we have that you know people fill out and it gives us a little yeah. bit of information to know how we're going to navigate the the conversation. She said, uh, I learned a lot about God during that season and I learned a lot about myself. I had to relearn and un- unlearn theology and how to trust a loving God that would let daughters die. That is a heavy statement right there. Oh, I mean, that makes me... And that, Tears come to my eyes, yeah. And that's mm. all, all of us, right? Like when we yeah. think about that, we go, how yeah. could a loving God allow this to happen? And yeah. you're going to hear firsthand how she had to sort through that. And I want to encourage you with this. If if you are here um, and you've experienced the loss of a child, we have so many episodes where people who have experienced the same thing that you have, they're sharing their story and they're sharing how God has shown up in their story um, if you do this, if you go to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways, we have curated all of those resources that relate to child loss in a single pathway. I love that. If you go to pathways, you can, you can sign up to receive the starter pathway. So you get kind of a, the first several bits of resource, the content that we have right there in, in that category of child loss. And then if you decide you want to become a community plus member, you can get the full pathway, the entire thing. And there's so many resources, including a masterclass that Jeff and Mackenzie Rollins did a little while ago. There are nothing as wasted coaches for, ch- or some of our coaches for child loss, child loss but yeah. we just have a, there's a lot because this story, this it's very prevalent. There are a lot mm-hmm. of you who are tuning in who have experienced child loss and we're so, yeah. so very sorry for your, for, for what oh, you've gone through and yeah, we are, and, and we're with you on that heartache. Um, in fact, we came across someone who shared, um, a review on Apple podcast and shared a little bit of her story. Aubrey, you want to, yeah. Can I read that? Mm -hmm. Thank you for setting that up. Um, so she says this, this is a listener again, like Davey said on Apple podcast, she said, Oh man, this review is such a long time coming in December of 2020. We find out our precious two-year-old Reese was diagnosed with leukemia. I physically did not know how I was going to move forward. The level of pain and grief for my child was too much to bear. I had heard about Davy's story from our pastor, Kevin, years ago and needed to know how he was able to move forward from his own devastation. I needed hope. That's when I discovered this beautiful ministry. I devoured every single episode to and from the hospital in those tender first three months after our baby's diagnosis. More than anything in those moments, I needed to know I was not alone and to see God's hand of mercy and redemption through other stories of pain. This is hands down the best podcast I have listened to. 
and I literally tell everyone about it who's walking through their own valley. Not only am I their number one hype woman, but I just signed up to go to Israel. You can talk about that in just a minute, Davey. She goes on to say, I can't wait to meet others walking through pain and encounter more of Jesus together. I dare you to start listening to this podcast weekly. The godly perspective, wisdom, and encouragement you will gain is unparalleled. Thank you, Davey and Aubrey, for your relentless pursuit in helping others Mm. heal. So grateful for this ministry. Woo! Wow. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. Thank you for writing that in. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we want to encourage you guys to do the same thing. If if this podcast or any of our resources have ministered to you, go and rate and review on Apple podcasts. Um, it it helps us, uh, encourages us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need a lot of encouragement to go on. We're hearing (laughs) people's pain stories a lot and it it can be very heavy and very difficult. And so, man, every time I hear something like this, it's like, yes, this is why we do what we do. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then it also helps get this, uh, exposure to more and more people so they can hear these wonderful stories of encouragement and inspiration and hope and faith. And so we would encourage you to go and do that. And she did mention Israel. We are taking an Israel trip. So here's the thing. This is all about community, right? This is all about us stepping into community, walking together in community. And so whether it's through the Pain to Purpose course, you're doing that maybe at your local church, or maybe you're doing it on our community platform, joining our community platform. Maybe it's going to Israel with us. We have an Israel trip, May of 2023. You can find out information about that nothingiswasted.com slash Israel, whatever it is, we want to walk with you. That's right. And we want you to know there's other people in the journey with you who have been there, who have gone through what you're going through. And they may not have it all figured out. We may not have all the answers, but we're with you. And uh, we we can point out some places that you might want to, some, some, some things, some pitfalls along the, the journey that, that you can look out for. Um, it's always better to do this together. So don't let the enemy lie to you that you are alone in your pain. That's so Um, good, Davey. Hey, I I do want to let people listen to this incredible episode, but Davey, there's a lot happening in your life right now. At least we think so. Can you kind of unpack before we transition? Can you kind of unpack for our listeners what's going on? That's good. That's a good point, Aubrey. Very quickly, supposedly you're listening to this. If you're listening to it the day of, you're listening to it in the middle of my late wife's trial. So um, it is scheduled for September 19th. As we're recording this, we record these a little bit further, you know, yeah. uh, in advance. Yeah. And so we don't know if it's happening right now as we're recording it. We're assuming that it is. We're assuming that maybe you're tuning into this because you've you've seen maybe some, you know, maybe even on the news or something like that. You know, our, our story yeah. has been in the news cycle before. And so we want to welcome you. We want to say... You know, really, we just want to help you as you're navigating your own trauma, tragedy, major life transition, and we want you to be inspired by these stories that we're sharing. But yeah. we also, I, I can't and make any statements. I don't know what is actually happening right now, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And so, you can tune in later. We'll definitely talk about the trial, talk about things that, you know, how I'm feeling afterwards and how our family's doing and stuff. And so, yeah. just want to acknowledge that that is going on right now, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah, it's good yeah. just to name that. And uh, I said it before, Davey Bell said it again, we are all cheering you on. That sounds like a weird thing to say, but we are praying for you and supporting you, you. And yeah, Thank can't you, wait to be on the other side of this with you. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead with that and take a listen to Davey's conversation with Esther Lee. Esther, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 
I would love for you to, you know, we've got a we've got a mutual friend, one of our team members, Amy, okay. and that's how we got connected to you. But I would love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of help our community get to know you, where you're from, what your family's like, all of that. And, um, you know, maybe give us a little insight into your relationship with Amy and all of, you know, and, and then we'll dive back into your story. Sure. So my name is Esther Lee and I am from Chicago, Illinois. And I um, live here with my husband, um, Mike, and our four kids. One is in heaven. Um, we'll be talking about her in just a minute. Um, yeah. I have, um, so she's forever eight years old. Her name was Ava Bright Lee. Um, I have an 11-year-old. Her name is Gwyneth. Um, and then a seven-year-old, Jude, or Jude David, when I'm mad at him. Mm. <laughs> I'm yelling for him. Um, yep. Yep. And Liv, Ray. Um, and we also have a dog, Pippin. And so we are just currently working and serving um, in the north part of Chicago, actually only about 10 minutes from where the mass shooting was just, um, oh, wow. a few weeks ago. And so, um, yeah, um, we, uh, know Amy or I know Amy because we have both had similar journeys, um, in grieving. Um, she lost her baby boy Hudson and I lost my, um, girl Ava. And so we connected, I think through, she says that she stalked me <laughs> and she mm. found me, but I think we just had lots of mutual um, stories to tell. Um, and we were able to connect that way. And she's just been such a lovely friend to me and just doing amazing things with her grief. And so I'm just so proud of her. And I'm so happy to be here, invited to speak with you, Davey, and to um, help others that are that are going through similar paths of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you even right now, you know, you even bring to mind just the importance of that community, that solidarity, having those other people who have walked through the same thing that you have walked through or a similar thing, right? All of our journeys are unique, but mm -hmm. at least being able to have some of those me too conversations and how powerful mm -hmm. and healing that has been. Right. Can, can you even give us right now some insight into that before we dive into your story? Just what, How's that? How how important has that been for you to have those other people that you can lean in on during this? Um, it's been so important. Um, I think that very few people can understand um, this type of deep pain. Um, but I found that strangers, uh, even if you're, you know, even if we're strangers, when we're connected by um, right. a bond like this, it it it's. It's like an instant family, I like That's to right. say, right? Um, it's even more, it's a deeper connection than maybe even my some of my best friends from prior to going yeah. through this. Um, they're amazing, um, but people who have experienced it, you don't have to say too much for them to understand exactly where you're at yeah. um, and um, exactly how difficult it is and how difficult it's going to be. Right. Um, but right. to have each other... You don't feel alone. And I think that's one of the biggest parts of grieving is that you do feel like a, a lonely little island, um, even with a spouse, because um, spouses, men, they just grieve differently than the way Absolutely. that you might and vice versa. I think women grieve differently right. from men. And so um, to have that space um, of whether it's, you know, same gender, whether it's a community right. of believers, it's just really important to have people who can um, who have been through 
uh, pain and can understand, yeah, yeah what it does yeah. to you and how to overcome it. Yeah. That's so good. Mm -hmm. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm even thinking about, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who, who traveled with me just recently on a speaking engagement. And we were talking about the importance of those kind of different aspects or different facets of community. You know, it's mm -hmm. important, like if you're a married couple, it's really important to find yeah. other couples that you can have community with that are safe, right. that's safe community. It's also in that really important to find that like same gender type mm -hmm. community as well, where it's just yeah. like, just, you know, just the guys. And we're really mm -hmm. talking about some of the things that, that we, that are unique to our journeys. Right. And then, right. and then also you're as a married couple, if you are a couple, then to have mm -hmm. that kind of community with, with each other mm -hmm. as well. And, and when it comes to grieving, how much more important it is to be able to have each one of those pockets of community and the different types of um, just insights and, and, and the different mm -hmm. types of, you know, how God, the character of God gets um, gets breathed into you through mm -hmm. those different types of community that others, if you just have one, right. If you just are doing right. this thing in one of those facets, it doesn't necessarily give you the full picture of what God wants to bring you in this. Yeah. Agreed. I think we, um, did more of that, like same gender in the beginning, just cause we couldn't find anyone that was yeah. like in the same spot that we were in, but slowly God brought, um, different people into our lives that could really minister to us that have gone through similar things. For example, um, my husband is a pastor. And when this mm. happened, um, he took a sabbatical. After Ava um, passed away, he took a sabbatical for a year. And in his place, um, we hired another uh, pastor who kind of ministers to different um, different churches during their time of need. And the really unique thing was that this pastor, um, he was probably about 20 years older than us, but he had gone through a very similar journey with his family. Um, they had lost their son. Um, he was older, but very in a very similar way um, with cancer and all of that. And he was able to minister um, to our church um, in a very wow. particular way, but he was also able to minister to us in a very, um, very unique way. And, and he brought so much insight into um, the way that we grieve and how to understand each other and, the wisdom that he gave us um, during our times of meeting with him are invaluable to us. And one of the things he said was um, when, um, when a couple, you know, experience something like this, um, they're going to have such a different way of, of processing it. And he said, the number one thing is to give each other grace and um, space to do it yeah, the cool. way that they need to do it. And so um, that was a very um, important lesson because, <laughs> because yes. you know, they say that, especially in the cancer journey, when you have lost a, a little, you know, a, a young one, yeah. that um, things start to fall apart. And this is actually what her oncologist told, told us. And so, and he's not um, a social worker, he's not a counselor, he's not a pastor, but he said, when this happens, he, he was getting us ready for Ava's departure, he said, when this happens, you have to be um, on the same page because uh, what typically happens for the majority of people is that you lose, um, you know, you lose your home, you lose all your savings, and then you lose each other. And so um, that was a wow. real stark, um, uh, just, yeah, reminder of what can happen if we, if we don't pull together. So we've really enjoyed having just love not just enjoyed but really needed um the exactly. community of believers to surround us especially those that were going through very similar things yeah wow 
Hey friends, I, I know that so many of you who are listening to this are currently carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. I mean, after all, that's probably what drew you to our podcast. And here's what I know. I know when we start to process what's going on in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain and not really knowing where to go from here. We even begin to, to hear or tell ourselves lies like, this is the end of your story. This will always define you. And, and trust me, I've, I've been there. But, but I've also, as I've come through it, realized that those are just that, they're lies. This doesn't have to define you. This isn't the end of your story. With the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. Listen, at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose in that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or if you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take a next step, I want to invite you to a free webinar that I'm hosting just for you. It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story No Matter What You've Gone Through. In this webinar, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my own journey of how God met me and, and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The webinar is an hour and a half long, but I promise you, it will be well worth your time because in this webinar, you're going to learn how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of trying circumstances. I'm going to teach you why having more questions than answers is an essential part of moving forward. I'm also going to teach you how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're going to talk about the one keystone decision that is proven to get you out of your pain. And I'm going to teach you how to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you should do next. And listen, we're going to talk about a ton more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain that you're experiencing, I want you to know you don't have to stay there. I would love to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. So here's what you need to do. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free webinar. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just click the webinar link on the show notes of this episode. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up, and we're offering multiple date and time options for this webinar in order to work with your calendar. So go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Just click the webinar link that we've included in the show notes of this episode to sign up for your spot on this webinar. I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough that you need to put you on the redemptive path that God has for you. I'm in your corner. Can't wait to connect with you soon. Go ahead and sign up now. Look forward to seeing you. Well, you're bringing up so many important things to light that loss, it's absolutely devastating. Mm -hmm. Like the actual loss, the loss of Ava, you know, if you're mm -hmm. listening to this, the loss of a child, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a parent, the loss of a mm -hmm. sibling, the losses of a loss of a loved one, loss of a friend. It's it's absolutely devastating. And there are subsequent losses that usually follow Yeah, that um, really I found that those are some of the more difficult ones to recover from, you know, mm -hmm. Esther, as we work with people who have experienced loss, you know, if they're just experiencing that initial loss, I feel a lot more hopeful because I'm like, we can, we can get through this. We can get through mm -hmm. this. But the more subsequent losses that follow, mm -hmm. the the more 
I don't want to say my hope erodes because the Lord is the mm-hmm. God of the impossible, but the more I'm like, this is going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I say that to highlight again, the importance of community. Cause as we listen to your story, we'll, we'll dive into that here. But as we listen to your story, I have a feeling that this theme of community is going to keep popping up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so it's important to, you know, that people that, you, if you're not currently in the valley, to gather around those who are in the valley. And if you are currently in a valley, to make sure you have people that are gathering around you to support you in these spaces so that these subsequent losses don't have as much of an impact so that you're able to worry and concern yourself with the healing from the the initial loss, whatever that looks like. Um, incidentally, Esther, Amy is among many roles in our, in our organization. She's the community director, you know, and that's why she's so passionate about exactly what you've experienced yeah. firsthand with her connecting yeah. with other people and helping other people connect with each other who have walked through similar journeys. And so that's why she's doing that. She's so good at it. And so, yeah. you know, I would just say this just as a pause, if you are looking for that community, make sure that you get connected on our nothing is wasted community platform, because mm-hmm. there are so many people who are there who are also looking for other people who've walked through a similar journey and you're going to be able to gather a lot of insight and wisdom and just hope from, from those folks. Mm-hmm. Esther, let's dive back into your story. Obviously, we've, you know, now heard that you lost Ava, that she was eight Mm -hmm. years old. But why don't you take us kind of back to what you would deem the beginning of that journey? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So um, Mike and I met in college. We went to different colleges. I went to the U of I, um, University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, which is like south. And he went to Moody Bible Institute. Um, But we were able to connect through um, our home church. And so we dated and, um, and we were just madly in love. (laughs) So we, we got married and, you know, everything was just wonderful. Um, I should backtrack and say, um, I had a very like lovely childhood. My parents were lovely parents. Um, I grew up, you know, in a lovely way. (laughs) And, um, I was raised in the faith and, um, I just had, uh, so many things to be thankful for. And I remember, um, by the time I got married, I just wanted that to continue, like all of that goodness to just follow. And, um, I knew we were going into the ministry, but, you know, I thought, well, we could, you know, serve God and still have a a nice (laughs) life, you know, and, and pleasant. And, um, I wasn't expecting anything extravagant. I just wanted like a good life, you know, just, just, you know, why not? Like have, you know, like healthy children. And, and I didn't even think about my children having to be healthy. I just assumed like, we'll have healthy children, right? right? Right. We'll just have, you know, we will serve God and it will be hard, but he will provide and we'll always feel fulfilled. And just all of these expectations um, that I didn't think were too grand. I just thought this is just, you know, just a little bit, God, you know, why can't I have that? The cross that I'm going to carry is the the difficulty of ministry. Yes. Right. Yes. I can totally relate to that. Yes. And that's difficult enough. So like, (laughs) give me some grace here. That's good. So the rest of my life (laughs) needs to be pretty easy. It needs to be smooth sailing because this is going to be. So you said it Mm -hmm. like easy, like good, you know? Um, And that's kind of what I wanted, you know? And so um, married Mike and we, we had that, we had a really great, Um, beginning to our marriage. Um, He was serving. I'm a teacher. I didn't mention that earlier, but I um, am a teacher by profession. And so I was teaching and I was happy. And then we had, and then we found out we were pregnant with Ava and I was 
ecstatic. I remember finding out and not wanting to tell Mike because I wanted it just to be a secret between me and this baby and God. And like, I remember walking home um, one day and I was just talking to her and I was like, you know, I just, only I know about you, only God and I know about you right now. And you're so precious and I love you so much. And, um, and you're going to have a good life. <laughs> and I remember just, you know, having, just having this conversation with her and then sharing it with Mike and just doubling that joy of, um, of this, you know, of this, um, birth that was to come. And so, um, it was beautiful. We had, um, we had her on August 14th, 2008. It was a muggy summer day, but, um, we couldn't be happier as new parents. And we brought her home and we named her, um, Ava Bright. Lee, because um, I pondered her name for a very long time. Um, I love words and I love meaning, like the meaning behind words. And yeah. so I thought about it and I thought, you know, like Ava means life and bright means just, you know, filled with light. Yeah. And I just wanted her to have a bright life. And so yeah. um, that's what we wow. named her. Yeah. And we brought her home and we began the journey of parenting her. And it was so awesome and so amazing. Um, she was a really easy baby. Um, she was a really easy baby, like temperamentally, but <laughs> physically she had quite a few issues that we didn't mm. really know about until a little bit more into our journey with her. So around six months, um, she started to like kind of get like a rash every time she nursed. And and I remember I had a friend who had a baby with like a really severe eczema patch. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like that seems hard. Like I... Yeah. I feel bad, you know, and, and so when she started to get these rashes, I remember thinking, oh no, <laughs> oh no, I hope it's not that type of severe eczema. Right. And sure enough, it was, it was the kind where it's just weeping and sore. And when she sleeps, like her, her, like her shirt or her, her, whatever, her mitten would get stuck to her shirt or her face from all the pus and all of that stuff so it was yeah. really terrible eczema and we came to find we come to find out um at about the one year mark that she had severe food allergies um which was causing all of these um rashes because as i was nursing her i was eating just normally and so i started cutting out all of these foods and um and it and then we came to uh came to find that she actually had um, really severe food allergies. It wasn't just wow. like we should stay away from the dairy because it gives her gas. It was like if she eats dairy, um, she will have an anaphylactic reaction and she um, could die. And so um, we found that she had uh, actually much, uh, many more than just dairy. It was um, dairy, egg, um, nuts, shellfish. Um, it was um, all of these other ones, wheat was another big one. Wheat was actually her biggest one, which is if you have celiac, you can know that um, it's really hard to to totally get rid of that. Um, And you have traces everywhere. And so that began um, a new season, right, of just food allergies and making sure that she didn't have anything that she couldn't have. And and it became really difficult because the cross-contamination aspect of her allergies was was way more than a typical person with allergies. So I tell this story of how one time I was making her like her special like rice pasta and I was making my wheat pasta next to it. And I, I just kind of forgot. Um, I forgot that I had to use a different utensil. I had two utensils to mix it. So I mixed 
it with the same utensil. And I was like, oh no, um, oh well, it should be okay. It's just, I just yeah. mixed it once and I was going to rinse the pasta and all that. So I rinsed it, I gave it to her. She had such a huge reaction from oh, just no. that amount of cross-contamination that um, she required three EpiPens. And oh, um, on the way to the hospital, uh, we thought we would lose her because um, her oxygen was tanking and um, her anaphylaxis, you know, she was in full shock. And so those are the types of things that we dealt with, um, probably four or five anaphylactic reactions a year um, that we had to kind of, and so the trauma of that, just every time I would hear an ambulance, I would be like, oh my gosh, is that like, and when I would drive home from work, is that like an ambulance going to my house because my mom called and, you know, and, and actually Davey, there were times when I was following the ambulance home and it was going to my house. So, um, yeah, just the trauma of, is this child going to make it into adulthood? Almost every day. So much fear. Um, and so that's kind of the backstory of how, you know, we, um, the things that we have to go through, this is even right. before her diagnosis. And so um, we're getting, you know, older. She's, you know, she's now four. She's turning, you know, five. And we have that wheat um, incident around the time that she was five. Yeah. And so um, we're on high alert and um, we're just getting ready for the other shoe to fall. And miraculously, her allergies start to taper off or actually her reactions start to taper off. So mm. we don't see as many reactions her right. skin is clearing up. We're thinking, oh my goodness, God is answering our prayer. Yeah. Like she is yeah. actually maybe going to get better. Maybe she's going to grow out. Growing out, out of this. Yeah, right. That's great. Mm. So that's what we were thinking. Um, and then this is kind of around um, the winter time. Um, in February of 2014, um, she started to have like these little, like little bites all over her body. Mm. And um, she would come up to me and she'd say, mom, I have these little mosquito bites. And, and I didn't paint enough of a picture of Ava yet, which I hope to do, but um, she was just the most beautiful like child. She had faith yeah. very early on. Um, she was so uh, content. She was so articulate. She was so um, polite and kind. And um, just prior to her telling me about these little mosquito bites, I remember her saying like, no, mom, um, my shoes are getting a little tight. Um, but if you don't have time to get me new shoes, that's okay. Like, um, I can just, (laughs) I think I could, if I don't wear socks, I can wear them. And I remember (laughs) because I was, it was just so sweet. And I was so caught up. I had just transitioned into a new position and I was so caught up in my work Mm. that that was kind of the premise why she didn't want to bother me. She was like, if I, if you get a chance to buy me new shoes, she's five years old. Oh, and she's like, like oh, wow. such a sweetheart. And so again, she was like, I have these little bites. And I said, Oh, honey, like, I don't know why you have mosquito bites in the middle of winter, but you know, um, do they itch? And she's like, no. And so I just kind of disregarded it as I don't, I don't really know, but I don't really have time and it doesn't seem that serious. And so it was kind of one of those things. Um, and then she had some joint pain. And so I brought it up to her pediatrician and they're like, well, this is the um, exact time around, you know, the time when they start to get some growing pains. And so you really shouldn't right. worry about it. So all of that was brushed under the rug. But in February, um, she came down with some very high fevers. And so um, we were very concerned. And she also had like a lesion, like a skin lesion on um, her leg. And so we thought, oh, like maybe the doctor thought maybe it's MRSA because she does get some skin 
reactions. And so they put her on some antibiotics and um, the antibiotics weren't, weren't clearing her fever. So she had persistent fevers for about five days. And finally they're like, just bring her in. She has to get admitted because we can't um, have her having like 105 degree fevers at home. And so we brought her in, we brought her in um, just another typical day in the hospital. We've been in and out so many times in her life and brought her in and um, they took some blood work and um, they came back and they said, uh, I think we have to retest her because her, white blood count is uh, off the charts. It's like in the hundreds, thousands. And so we were like, oh my goodness, we hope that we didn't really understand what that meant, but we're like, well, we hope that it's nothing um, big and just a mistake in the lab. And so we held her down again. And I remember being really annoyed, like, oh, like you guys messed up. Now I have to get, you know, another needle stick and come to find that that would be the least of our worries. One little prick in her arm because she was... um, she was diagnosed with wow. leukemia um, yeah, in February of 2014. And so oh, that, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of it all. And uh, what a journey it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, already leading up to that, you know, you guys were, like you said, there was a lot of trauma associated with yeah. her early childhood. And then, you know, you, you have probably this sense of relief thinking that everything now is, Oh, she's outgrowing this and this is okay. Everything's going to start kind of uh, working itself out and and going to normal. And then you have this huge news that's dropped on you. And I can't imagine the weight and the impact of that news. What, what was that like as, as you guys are receiving this diagnosis? I mean, where were you at? Did you feel a sense of hopelessness? Was it something that was just, uh, how are we going to, get beyond this or, or was there, was there still some fight in your spirit or what, you know, what to, I'm sure there was a mixture of all of those things. Yeah. But what, what, what were you, what were you feeling in those moments? Yeah. Um, I think that I mentioned, you mentioned earlier, you know, living in that fear. And I think that um, just, I don't know, just my natural um, nature is to be kind of like a fearful person. And that is actually my biggest fear is, losing a child. And um, once I became a mom, that's what I realized was my biggest fear. And I know this because um, my friend, uh, prior to Eva being diagnosed, my friend's daughter was diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, I was praying for her daughter and um, she had posted this one entry about how um, her daughter had relapsed. And so the doctor was saying there's like I don't know, a 10% chance of survival. And she asked us to rally around her and pray. And I remember getting this news and I was in my bed and I just fell to the floor. I just fell face down on the floor. And I remember crying out to God and saying, how how could that be? How could you let a daughter die? Like, you know, um, and so I was pleading for this family and um, yeah. my heart was just broken. It wasn't my child, but it could have been because I was so broken over this, over the news. And so I remember crying out to God and saying, you know what? I could never do that. <laughs> I could never yeah. bury my child. You mark my words, God. <laughs> like that's the one thing you should, please don't challenge me with because I could never do it. And so yeah. I remember praying that. And then in February, Ava was diagnosed. And so when I got the news from the doctors, um, yeah, even that was felt like being almost teased, you know, because 
there are different multiple uh, types of leukemia, some better prognosis than others. And we had been diagnosed on a weekend. And so um, there's bare bone staff um, in a hospital on the weekends. And so yeah. they had told us, oh, you know, we're pretty sure it's the one that everyone gets. And it's, you know, 95% cure rate. We think she's going to be okay. You know, like, I know it's scary, but like, just hang in there. We think she'll be, we'll take care, good care of her. And then that was like Friday night and the Saturday night, Saturday comes and they're like, oh, we actually did more tests and it actually looks like the more aggressive type of leukemia. So, you know, at this point, if you need to move to a bigger hospital, we understand. So that night we transferred her to the bigger hospital um, in Chicago. And then that staff came in on Sunday and they were like, we did more tests and this is actually a mix of both types of leukemia. It's um, very, very rare. Um, only 3% of the whole leukemic population, including adults and children, get this type of leukemia. And the prognosis is very poor. And I heard that and um, I went into the quiet room yeah. and I just let out a shriek that just like resonated through the whole all the halls. And it almost felt like everyone just quieted down because they were like acknowledging this grief that was happening. Um, as we um, thought about the, um, the idea of losing Ava. And so that's how I felt. And I was um, on the floor um, at a different point during that day. Um, I was just constantly on the floor, <laughs> like yeah, on this yeah, grimy hospital floor. Yeah. And I remember um, this, this voice over me, I was, I was weeping and in the sitting room because I didn't want to alarm Eva and I was weeping and this um, voice over me touching my shoulder um, and, and this voice and this woman was saying, um, Dios es bueno, Dios es bueno, which is God is good, God is good. And I look up and it's this woman and she is saying this to me and um, I remember thinking like, how can you say that? Like, how can yeah. you say that in this instance? Absolutely. Like I just got the diagnosis that my daughter may very well die. And I'm thinking these things, of course. And of course to her, yeah. I'm saying, thank you so much. And later um, I found out that she actually had a child angel on the same floor with um, cancer. And, wow. and she had a paraplegic son, like a young adult. She would push, her husband would push her paraplegic son into the hospital to visit his brother, Angel, who had cancer. And this mom is telling me, God is good. And so, wow, the power of those words coming from someone who has gone through it was phenomenally more than anyone that could offer that platitude to me, you know, um, yep. Yep. that hasn't gone through pain. And so, again, back to that community, like when you have someone who has gone through similar things, they're the ones that can minister to you because there's power behind the words. They've lived, breathed those words. They, they tested those words and they found that those words are true. And so, um, yeah, that began our, that just began, it was a three-year fight, very long. I would do it an over again in a heartbeat if that meant she was still here. Um, but that, yeah, that was our journey of pain where God was like, hmm, I'm not going to give you an easy life, but I'll give you uh, a sanctified life. And I think that's, wow. that's how I'm here. <laughs> wow, Esther. Yeah. Mm. I feel like, it, it, you know, 
we all just need to pause for a second and just, you know, acknowledge um, the weight of what you guys have walked through and in and, and that moment with this lady that's speaking this over your life. Um, I mean, there's so many profound things within that. The fact that her child, her name is Angel, mm-hmm. you know, and here's this for all intents and purposes, this angel that's mm-hmm. putting your hand on your shoulder mm-hmm. and speaking words of life into you and all you're thinking about is the very opposite. You know, mm-hmm. all you're thinking about is the potential of death and, um, and I th- and, and, and it's really amazing what you pointed out there that it's one thing to hear that platitude from someone who maybe just comes to visit you in the hospital and awkwardly doesn't really know what to say. And so they mm-hmm. feel like they have to just kind of say the right. right thing. It's a whole right. other thing to hear it from someone who is walking it because you know that behind that comes a lot of wrestling, yeah. a lot of struggle, um, and a lot of, a lot of really big revelations and insights and mysteries of the character of God that are only revealed through these dark nights of the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, to say God is good is a huge statement with a lot of depth to it. Um, spoken in the right moment by the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there are, folks who are listening to this and and they would say the same exact thing that your heart was saying in that moment too. How in the world can you say God is good? And, um, you know, I'm wondering if I don't want to jump ahead too much, but over the course of, you know, as you look over the course of that three year battle, as you look over the course of what ensued where, where, you know, ended with, you know, your worst fear and having to, to say goodbye to Ava. I wonder how, what you feel about those words, God is good. And, and, and if you can kind of unpack some of that struggle and wrestling mm-hmm. that you had over those years, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the way that I felt, the best way to describe it is I felt like um, after all of these things unfolded, I felt like I was um, stabbed in the back um, by my best friend, you know. I felt like, um, you know, I committed to a life of serving you and and this is, you know, what I get for it. And I think it revealed a lot about myself, not about God's character, but about what I was expecting from God. Like I said in the beginning, I wanted this. It was almost like a transaction. Like, you know, I will serve you. Just give me like a mediocre right. good life. Right. And yeah. um, it showed that like my faith was actually very fragile. Um, it was, I grew up in the faith. I, um, you know, went to uh I was very involved in church and all of these things. But when it came down to it, when I was going through this fire and as everything was melting away, I realized that, wow, like what was in the center needed to be built up back up again. And so it was so revealing. And now looking back, I realized, my goodness, like I needed that time of fire for me to 
really understand what I believe and um, all the truths that I've been told as a child that I took, but I didn't really own. You know, I took it from my parents, but did I really know it for myself? And all that, the, all, all of that fire really revealed um, cracks in my foundation, not in God's. And so yeah. how did I wrestle through God is good? I mean, I think the biggest the most interesting thing is um, my mentor through all of that was, was Ava. Um, wow. And she firmly believed God was good to her. And I don't know how she had that faith, but it was a childlike faith, which is why God, I think, you know, directs us to come as a child, one who can uh, trust in their parent, even when things don't seem right. right. Um, and so, yeah, what's my, what's my journey like? Um, I think that um, I feel like that suffering um, was really a necessary part of my life. Um, I think that it revealed to me that um, my life is not my own. Um, it revealed to me that, uh, that when I am able to, you know, relinquish my rights, my rights to this good mm. life, to this thing, to that. I can see much more of what God has in store for my life because it's not about me being happy, but it's about you know, our holiness and it's about us drawing near to God and becoming more like Christ. And I think that, yeah. um, and I'm not the camp like team suffering. <laughs> Everyone needs to be sanctified through the fire. I just think that it ha sometimes those seasons, God uses those seasons. Um, to uh, draw us closer to him. And it just seems right. so crazy. Like, why would something so hard draw us to him? But it's because in those times, like we have no one to rely on. Like what human yeah. could offer us comfort when we have lost a loved one, you know? And I think of yeah. your story, you know, and I think of what comfort could you gain from any words that anyone can say? except from the very words of God that hold the hope that we long for. And so um, one of the instances of when God really revealed himself to me was um, when I was, uh, interestingly enough, on the hospital bathroom floor. <laughs> and I would put Ava to bed and I would just go into the bathroom so she couldn't hear me. And I would just fall down on the floor and I would weep before God. And it was this dirty, not that dirty because it's a hospital, but yes, dirty, <laughs> dirty, but clean. You know what I mean? And so I would be on this hospital floor and it became not just a hospital floor, but it became this holy ground where I was meeting with God. And I think a lot of my life, I thought God is up there and I'm down here. And um, I petitioned this way and, yeah. you know, God, hears me but like he's from he's far away and maybe he's even judging me like oh you have little faith oh esther like you can't even go through a trial like this you know like oh you're much weaker than i thought like no like i found him on that bathroom floor with me wow weeping with me over the brokenness of my situation over the brokenness of this world yeah. over the loss that i would endure because I think as a parent, I to think about my mom and we're going through the receiving line after Ava died. My friend said that she was walking through and she, she greeted my mom and, she, and my friend knows my mom and my mom just clung to her and said, Ava's with 
God, now, but what about my daughter? What's going to happen to her? My heart breaks for her. And I think about God on that bathroom floor with me, embracing me, not not judging me, not saying, oh, you're so weak, but saying, my heart breaks for what you have to go through. Embracing me, rocking me, and being so close with me, and maybe even just huddled on the floor with me, you know. And I never got to see that side of God before because I didn't really need it like that, you know. And I would have been so, I would have missed out so much on the character of God had I not Mm -hmm. gone through this. And not to say that this is worth my suffering, like, you know, because I don't think anything is worth the suffering. But what Amy had said to me is she had ministered to me and she said, you know, nothing is uh, worth our suffering, but God is worth it all. And yes, coming, drawing near to God was worth it. So yes, that's how I saw glimpses of God and his goodness in my life, even through that really difficult, painful time. Yeah. 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 That's one of the, the greatest and, and, you know, Esther, thank you for sharing that because I, I think there's a couple of things there that are so important for all of us to really experience through you and, and be reminded of. And that is just the ever present nature of God. And that, that is, that is so all consuming and soul satisfying that nothing mm-hmm. else can replace that. Right. And, you know, I have, such a confidence in God showing up for people now because of how he showed up for me in those very personal moments. You know, it's, as you said, you're as, as your mom is so concerned about you rightfully so, right. That's, that's so many people's concern. And yet there's such an assurance to know that God is carrying you, that the father is, is like you said, huddled with you on the bathroom floor and now I have such a confidence in that when I'm helping people and I feel less the need to say the right words to somebody mm-hmm. or to try to, you know, impart something to them. I'm just like, Lord, you have to do what only you can do. And that experience with him, like what you've experienced in the presence of God, and the, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The, that right there, that moment is so profound and healing. Those moments are so profound and healing and it galvanizes something. It galvanizes a, a strength, a trust that allows you to walk through whatever's next. And so I trust in that so much. I, I'm, I'm, I want to bring that to light and say, you know, that's where God meets us in those moments that as we open up our heart and as you, we do what you did, where you mm-hmm. entered into grief and limit, you weren't afraid of that. You were, you took those things to God in your desperation and in your, in your anger and your whatever, a fear, all of those things that you were feeling, you took it to the Lord and then he met you in that space. Yeah. And he's faithful to do that with all of us. Yeah. And then I think, um, you know, the other thing, just uh, as I, as you were talking, I, I was just thinking about um, just that, that concept of it being worth it, 
Mm-hmm. That's such a, it's such a, a, um, there's a tension there, right? Mm-hmm. It's like pulling apart that, that it mm-hmm. feels like two mutually exclusive concepts where we go, mm-hmm. I would, I never would want to have walked through this. Right. And at the same time, I don't, I would never want to trade what I have right now with the Lord. Right. right. And somehow, somehow those two things work together mm-hmm. in tandem, you know, yeah. which as we talk about in the pain of purpose course, the power of, and somehow yeah. we're able to yeah. express both of those things. Right. And those of us who have lost in, in these extreme ways, we get it. We understand it. We're like, yeah, right. yeah. I, 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 I yeah. agree. I feel the same way. Agreed. I think that um, um, what we have gained um, from our loss is priceless. I think it really is priceless. I think that we wish, I if I could go back and, and I've said this before, like so many people have said to me, oh, like Ava's death, it really has ministered to me and brought me closer to Jesus. And I remember saying, I actually don't care about your walk with Jesus. Like you need to figure out your own walk with Jesus. Don't, you know, like, I don't want my daughter's sacrifice to be your gain, you know? And I remember thinking no one's worth it. And, um, but that really brought me back to even Jesus in a new light, you know, like, my God, like the father's heart to love us, to willingly sacrifice i would not willingly ever sacrifice for anybody my child no you know that's not you're not worth it (laughs) but the way that god loves us all of these things all of these scriptural truths we have read we have known but to actually own them because you have tested them is just a new it's it's a it's a new walk with god in in the sense that we can really say, I know you and I know you better than I've known you before. And I want to know you more. Um, yeah. And so I think that that is, again, like it, there's nothing that can um, make this loss. Okay. But knowing that God is, I don't mean to sound trite, but that God is in control of our story and that like he's molding us. Um, and that this is a very temporary life. Like, yeah. Those kinds of things help me to see that this, even this loss that I have is not just what meets the eye. It's not mm. like this tragic story and, and cancer and all this stuff. But I often think about how when I get to heaven and I say to God, like, you know, like, why? Like, why did you take Eva? You didn't have to. It was one yeah. word, one word, and she would have been healed. Yeah. But why would you allow that? And I think that I think that's what I'm going to say that's what I think would be, you know, my response. But when I really think about it, I don't think that's going to be my response at all. I think when I get there, I'm going to say, Oh, like, wow. I didn't know that that's what was happening in the background of our stories that you were creating this tapestry that we would never have been able to, (laughs) we'd never have been able to envision, you know, um, or our minds be able to, uh, wrap around what you are doing. And so this trust now that he's, he's doing something, I think is what 
propels me forward and helps yeah. me to find purpose when quite frankly, I would rather die. <laughs> Daisy, there were many days where I was yeah. like, well, why am I still waking up? Like, why am yeah. I still alive? It's almost like after Eva died, it, it, I felt like all of my, like all of my limbs were just severed. And how could I walk again? Like, how could I, how could I actually do this when I am disabled? You know, how can I run this race? How can you put me back into the fight and be like, okay, now, now that this happened, go back and yeah. now serve, serve me more. You know, I'm like, no, like, yeah. that's cruel. How can I do that? You know? Right. But just to know that, like, even though I'm just crawling or I'm just, you know, I'm just existing, those types of things are giving, you know, that God is proud of those moments of us yeah. just getting up every day and like just putting forth what we can. That's right. It's enough. And he's, he's proud of that. And I, I, I don't know, I think I might be going off track, but like no, all of these all. things, I'm like <laughs> wrapping my head around. <laughs> yes, yes, yep. And all of those yeah. things are so, they're so beautiful. They're so real. It's exactly, you know, it, I, I agree with that. 100% that he's proud of those little moments. And I think it's so important that we're reminded of that. I mean, there are people, gosh, you're listening to this and you are literally facing, or you have just faced the worst, most horrific thing you could ever imagine. And you need to hear Esther say, this is what I've felt because you're feeling the exact same thing. I remember it. Yeah. I remember, I remember having to fly down to South Carolina and get, um, you know, some pretty intense counseling. And I remember there being some turbulence as we were going, you know, into the landing. And I was just like, Lord, I just want you to take me now. Like just yeah. like this plane wreck. And I don't want to, and I, I honestly, I've never encountered this before. I really mm -hmm. did not care to be alive anymore. Yeah. And I think that is a, a common experience with those of us who have experienced this kind of horrific loss. Um, and it's also really, really powerful for all of us to hear you say that Esther, because that's not where you are right now. That's not mm -hmm. how you feel right now. You've been right. working through and wrestling through quite a bit and you're not healed. Yeah. <laughs> right? But you're, but you're every day continually healing yeah. and God's bringing these new insights of his character and nature into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Can you point to some things, you know, over the, first of all, from a timeline standpoint, how long ago was this now that you uh, lost Ava? How, oh, um, it's been five and a half years going on. Five and a half years. Six. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do want to also point that out. This is, it's, it's still very tender. And oh. even as you're sharing this, like I can see there's like healing that's happening in you, but there's yeah. also this very, these very tender, raw moments, right? Obviously you're the emotion that you're showing and the emotion that you're drawing out of us too, yeah. as we're listening to this. Um, but it's, I, I think that's a, that's a point to encourage people with it's there's these waves of grief. And I wonder if you'd speak to that a little bit that, you know, you're, you're like many of us where you're reminded of this loss constantly. And there's some days you probably feel like, okay, life's kind of back to normal. And then other days it, you're faced with a stark reality that it's not. And this grief just kind of comes up. Yeah. Uh, can you describe that a little bit and how you're, how you deal with that, how you work through that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I probably don't work through it very helpfully. <laughs> in a very healthy way. <laughs> um, I think uh, my, 
um, I think my, uh, the way that I normally do it is I, I'm just, I just distract myself. I think that was a lot, a lot of how I dealt with Ava's. I would, I would distract, 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 get busy, do like, I need it, right. I need to find purpose. What's my purpose. And so I'm constantly looking for purpose, constantly dissatisfied that I haven't found the thing that I'm supposed to do out of this pain. And I'm just, you know, I'm ragging on myself and I'm trying to get myself as distracted as possible. And then the wave, it always will come, it will come and it hits and I'm floored. And, um, a lot of times that looks like I'm just, you know, like I need to lay down and I need to be like out for a long time. And other times um, I write and I, I write and that's how I get everything out. And even the things that I didn't even know that I was feeling, I draw, it, it gets drawn out of me. And I think that is a lot of the Holy Spirit, like working in me to help me to process and to think about what actually it is. And, yeah. and so I think um, a lot of times, especially now I can say, um, if someone asks, how are you doing? I think I could say, oh yeah, I'm good. You know, like I'm doing this and that, but if I'm very honest, I'm not good. You know, I'm not, yeah. it's not always well within my soul. Yeah. Um, I think many mm. times it is, but it's not oh. always. And that's the truth. And I think that that is okay. Like, I think as, um, being in ministry, yeah. you, people are always looking to you and you feel like you need to like have it all together. But I think the, I think the reason why people actually <clears throat> even read what I write is because I'm very honest that I'm not all together yeah. and maybe I won't even be healed on this side of heaven. And that's okay because yeah. we will be healed one day and we will have that wholeness. And so, yeah, how am I working through it? Like I, I speak to a counselor, I write, I confide in my friends. Um, it just takes one text to the group of, girls who have lost their babies for me to feel like I'm not alone again. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I, you know, and I, I, I try to go on walks. I try to like do whatever I can to, uh, feel connected, um, yeah. with, with God again, because really what can really give us peace, you know, it's, yeah. it's God, like he says, right. my peace, I give unto you. It's a peace that the world cannot know. Yeah. And so truly, who can give us peace? It's God. And so one thing, um, Davy, that I actually learned from Ava is to um, is to worship when it's really, mm. really hard. And um and I and she didn't of course she was like, Let me teach you a lesson, mom. Here's what here's what I do when I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. She was just, you know, seven. She was eight when she died, but seven, six, seven when she was going through the yeah all of the treatments. And I recall this one treatment. Um, it was her skin. She had to have skin radiation. And remember how I told you she had those little dots yeah. on her skin. That was actually another complication to her leukemia, which was very rare. It was called a uh, leukemia cutis, which is leukemia in the skin. And mm -hmm. so she also had leukemia in the skin. And so they were just teeny, teeny little dots, but enough cells, leukemic cells to um, have her relapse if she didn't, right. if we didn't take care of it. And so um, at one point in her treatment, we needed to have her skin radiated. And this is something that um, we went to Northwestern for. They had never done it in their um, in their department. Right. They had never right. done this type of treatment on a child. And so they had to order all of these equipment just for this. And Ava was six, but she was like small yeah. in stature. Right. So she was 
tiny. And so we had, they had to take these exact me- measurements, get these like small little, you know, equipment that they had to, um, uh, order, you know, um, yeah. that word custom order. Right. And so here she is in this radi- in this, in this room that no one else is allowed to be in, because if you are in the same room, not, not let alone getting zapped by it, but if you're just in the same room, it's toxic to you. You can't right. be there. So what do we do? We, we put her in this apparatus where she actually has to stand. So she's standing and I'll share a picture with you maybe um, if I can later, but she's standing and she has to do all these little angles. And so she has to stand still for, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds at a time. And they also have to put goggles on her uh, eyes Mm -hmm. that block out all the light because they want to protect her eyes. So if you can imagine now you're in this room by yourself, this cold room, you're six years old, seven years old. She's holding this, this apparatus she has to stand still and they're like please be very very still or else this is gonna you know it's gonna damage other parts of your body so all this responsibility she's blind and i remember she said to me mama i'm scared because i'm i can't see anything and i said Ava, i'm so sorry like this is what we need to do and she said i understand so she's in the room we all leave the room and what does she start doing she starts singing so she's singing and she's singing all these songs by herself and she's like mommy i'm scared and we can only talk through a one-way radio (laughs) oh sorry two-way radio so i'm saying honey it's almost done and she's like okay and so she continues to sing Mm -hmm. and she had been doing this all throughout her her um her journey and up to the very last day one of the last things she did one of the last videos i have of her is her singing and she's singing um um I think it was Silent Night because it was Christmas, and you mm-hmm. see her every breath, every breath. Like the lung, the lungs are now like filled with leukemic cells, and she's just mm-hmm. searching for every single breath as she sings out this song. And I remember thinking, like, why would you My waste goodness. your breath on praising God? Like, take a break, you know. And mm-hmm. and I, I just could just imagine her saying to me, like, how could I not? Mm-hmm. How could I not? praise god you know and so when i think about worship i think about it transporting me maybe this it did this for her too transporting me out of my present situation into the presence of god and when i'm in the presence of god all i'm filled with is gratitude awe hope and so worship to me is key and that's and it's hard to do. It's like mm-hmm. your hands feel like they're like you, with your broken hands, you're, you're trying to lift them up yeah. so that you can praise the one who created you. And it's a difficult, difficult practice, but one that is so necessary for mm-hmm. us to be connected with God and to understand where we stand in relation to him, but also how much... He loves us and, and where we stand in relation to him in a sense, right? right? We stand right. here, but really he's brought us through Jesus up here oh. in his presence. And so I don't mean to get like all like, you know, whatever, <laughs> um, you know, preachy or whatever, but this is like what has been helpful to me. And also I still struggle with grief and just depression. So is that, is that possible to not be whole, but be praising God? And I hope that we can all do that. You know, I don't know. Wow. Esther, I don't don't have any words after that. (laughs) I really don't. 
um, that was powerful. Just a powerful reminder um, of the presence of God. Yeah. And uh, there's no replacement for that. Um, you know, um, I'm I'm just so moved by the, you know, just the little bit of breath in Ava's lungs as she's yeah worshiping and and, and um, giving that breath back to God. You're just yeah. you're like wow, wow. There's something so stirring and moving about that, which makes you know, it just reminds me like I, I think of it in in like a video reel, like I imagine this, you know, like a, I imagine like as a movie, you know, and it doesn't matter if you, if you believe in God or if you don't, if you trust the Lord or you don't, it doesn't matter if you are a, a you know, a Christian or a skeptic, you're moved by that. And I think that is testimony yeah. to the fact that eternity is written on our hearts and we yeah. all deep down know that there is something else yeah. that is transcendent of all of this. Right. Right. There is someone, there's a sovereign being who really holds all of this. And, 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 you know, as difficult as all of this is and life and loss and everything we're experiencing, that there is, that he is a good father. And he is all powerful. And somehow the fact that he is all powerful and this suffering still exists in this world and in our lives, yeah. somehow it still can be reconciled that he is good. Yeah. And yeah. that is the journey that we're on and the des the little destinations that we have arrived right. at. You know, you know, you have these moments where you're like, Okay, he's good, he can be trusted. And yeah. then you have these moments where you're the outworking of trying to figure out, are you good in all of yeah, this? Right. And, you know, to me, that's what grief looks like. That's the journey, yeah. at least grief with the Lord. And then right. he's faithful to show up and, and show you that he is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, your, I want to be, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I don't, I don't want to interrupt oh, I you just, there. Well, I just want to be clear that I have not arrived and my grief yeah. is still very messy and it's yes. okay um, to yes. be messy. And I think that's a message that believers need to hear because coming from a very like strict, like my, you know, <clears throat> right. background of like how it's supposed to look, you know, like yep. grieving as a Christian, you should only have hope and it should be yeah. fine. And um, God, you have God. And so it's, you know, it should be better, you know, and, really it's a mess and it's okay right, because right. I think God acknowledges that we live yeah. on a very broken, in a very broken world. And I think he's just honored by like, like I said, our efforts to just like yeah. not die. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to put it, but like <laughs> right. our how efforts to living? not die. I get up to, exactly. Yeah. Just surviving. Uh, and I think wow. he is, he's pleased with that. So I don't want it to yeah. seem like, Oh yeah, I praise God when I'm like sad. <laughs> Actually, no. it's hard, you know. Yeah, you're you're communicating yeah. that you even when you don't feel like praising God, you're inspired by that, and you're like, okay, Lord, how yeah. do I get my heart to that? How do I? It's not there. Yeah, I want it to be there. And those yeah. those are such pure, genuine prayers and such pure, genuine statements. That's that childlike faith. It's like I I want to acknowledge, I want to be real that I I'm not there, but I want to be there, yeah. and I don't know how to be there. And so, God, I need you yeah. to come in and 
be sufficient where I'm insufficient. And that's letting God do what only he can do. That's Jehovah Rapha. That's the healer, right? right? That's, Mm -hmm. he does this and we just have to be submissive and we have to be clay in the potter's hands and he's going to do it in his time. And that, you know, that brings me to this, you know, you said this earlier that you're still trying to figure out and work, like, Mm -hmm. what is my purpose out of this? Like, Mm -hmm. what is, and, and I love that you're stating that because I just had a conversation with someone who walked through and you guys will hear it on the podcast, walked through some extreme childhood trauma. And then, Mm. you know, like now it's very clear exactly what she does for a living. They've got this big organization. It's very clear the Mm -hmm. connection between the trauma that she walked through and how she's helping other people. And that we're like, okay, this is pain to purpose. And yet so many of us and so many of our listeners Mm -hmm. sit somewhere in the middle of that Mm -hmm. where we're going, I know God's got something for me in this. Right. But I, I haven't discovered that or realized that or walked into it yet. Right. Can right. you give us a little bit of insight into fresh in your journey right now? As your, what does that look like for you to try to figure that out? What does that look like as you're wrestling through that? How are you? What are some things you're learning in? Okay. What? How do I step into what God the purposes you have for me, or how do I get my heart and mind wrapped around that? Oh, that is such a good question. <laughs> I ask you that because people need to hear you say it now, right? They don't need to hear yeah. like, oh, well, yeah, back, you know, four years ago when I was wrestling yes. with this. Yeah. They need to know like, um, this is where many of us are. That's where we're, yeah. so many of us are in that space right now. I don't have an answer for you because I'm still searching. And it's really funny because if you look at what happened, like what I've done since Ava passed, it's just such a mix of like random, yeah. like I yeah. wanted to, maybe I should, you know, like, cause I, you know, I don't know. I was like, maybe I should go back to teaching. Maybe I should go into real estate. Maybe I should, if I do this, if I do, maybe I should, you know, continue blogging. Um, I, baby, I tried to pursue a doctorate. Like I was just, wow. oh, if I wow. get a doctorate, then I can like help, you know, more people because then I can go in the hospitals. And bo- yeah. All the, all that to say, I am still searching, but also, I'm beginning to start to feel a peace because I mm. think for so long, I was like, what can I create mm. to make it worth it? And I put so much pressure on myself to create something wow. out of my pain when I think what God wants from me is like just like the openness mm. to see what he wants from me, right? Yeah. And not to put it in my own hands and be like, oh, I bet I'm running out of time. It's yep. been six years. What, what have I done? You know, but yep. to be open to things like this, like I'm not really a natural speaker. I'd much rather write something. But when Amy asked, you know, like part of me was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, you know, like when God gives yeah. me those opportunities to share, to have the courage to mm. to share and to be confident that he will use it for however he uses it and not try to be in control of how Mm. things are going to turn out. And I think that that is my biggest lesson is to be content um, in my circumstance and to know that my pain won't be wasted. Even if I don't make this grand foundation, even if it's that I've talked to one mom and I've helped her not commit suicide or I've, um, you know, my blog has helped another mom feel less alone or, mm. you know, or this podcast has um, helped someone understand that like grieving is, is difficult work and it's okay that you're in the middle of it even 10 years later. Like yeah. maybe those things are enough 
for me. And, and I'm a very ambitious person, so it doesn't feel enough, right? Well, it sounds like real estate, PhD, like, right. all, this, <laughs> like yeah, all over yeah. the place. Right. But it, even though I yeah. feel like I need to do it, like maybe I, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm content if God just mm. uses the little moments in my life. And, and that's hard for me to say, because again, mm. I want a product. <laughs> so sure. um, where will that be? I have no idea, but I think yeah. I'm beginning to be open to the fact that I don't have to uh, create yeah. it, that it yeah. can be created in me. So, yeah. Well, I think yeah. what you're saying is I'm, I'm grinning over here because I think what you're <laughs> saying is one, so powerful and two, so necessary to articulate <laughs> because the, we have so many models of, well, I walked through this and because of this, this ministry or this endeavor or this thing spawned out of it. And I, of course I know what I'm saying right now because yeah. we have this entire platform, this entire ministry yeah. called nothing is wasted that comes Wonderful. directly from what we've walked through. Right. I yeah. get it. Yeah. And so I understand the struggle of feeling that of going, I can't waste this. I've got to do this. I'm mm-hmm. a very ambitious person too. I'm yeah, a very take charge right. type person. I learned that that is part of my personality, even in mm-hmm. grief is that I will tend to mm-hmm. go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take charge to do something redemptive out of right. this. But what I'm learning and what I'm hearing you say is that really redemption, the responsibility of redemption is the Lord's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which right. can put some of us at a place where we go, well, I don't know, you know, like I want to, yeah. you know, but, but, right. but really, if you truly think about it, he is way better at writing stories of redemption. Yes. Than we could, we could or will ever be, right? And when we relinquish that control and that responsibility to Him, we can just trust, right? We can trust opportunities that He brings to us, and so He will both bring divine opportunities, mm-hmm. and He will bring divine vision and revelation right. at at the exact appropriate time, right? And right. so it's like this this John 15 abide in him. Right. Mm -hmm. And as you are abiding in him, you're healing, you're getting grafted Mm -hmm. into this vine as a branch and you're healing. And then out of that, when you abide in him, all you do is produce fruit. Yeah. Yeah. As Jesus, like, like as long as you remain in him, you produce fruit. And then I believe that down the road, you'll kind of see this, like the manifestation of some of this fruit. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the Lord gives you this divine revelation. Right, He's like, right. boom, I want you to see yep. this. Yep. And I want, to, I want you to step into this opportunity. And it's something that you could have never written. You could have never fabricated right. for yourself. Right. And it's like, oh, this is redemption. And there's such a beauty in that. Yeah. To know that he's the one that wrote it. Yes. Right. Yes. And um, confidence. I tell people, and, I tell people yeah. all the time, God's, God's, God's not going to let you get the credit for your, yeah. your redemption story. He's yeah, not going to let right. you get the credit for that. Right. right and so right. Thank just God. Walk in that. Yeah. Praise yeah. the Lord. Just walk in the yeah. fact that he's going to get the credit so that you look at it and you go, I am awestruck by what you have done. Right. 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 I can't right. believe that you've chosen me for yeah. this. Yeah. That's the story that God wants to write in all of our, all of our yeah. stories, all of our lives. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. Esther, I got I have one more question because the, you yeah. brought up fear as one of those mm-hmm. things that you wrestled with beforehand yeah. fear mm-hmm. of particularly losing a child. And I know for a fact that is one of, if not the greatest fear of many, if not most parents. Yeah. And, um, I wonder what you would say if you're having coffee with somebody right now, you know, a young mom, a young couple who, uh, that's their fear there they, you, they've expressed that to 
there, Esther, I hear stories like yours. I hear stories like other people's and it just evokes this fear inside of me. Yeah. What, what would you, what would you say to them now on this side actually, of your journey? I actually had a conversation very recently with someone who had shared that that was their very real hmm. um, fear and it's it produced high anxiety in them. And, um, and this person is very close to me. And I, you know, I just said, you know, if you look at me five years ago when I lost Ava, um, I could see how that would be your biggest fear because you saw it's your biggest fear and then you saw it happen to someone you love and then you right. saw them crumble and fall and right. you think, my God, I could never, ever yeah. do that. And then I said, but look at, look at the journey that I have taken and where I'm at now I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm yeah. still alive. I'm still breathing. I'm still trying my best to do to be here on this earth and to to do something fruitful. And I think, um, really, the the driving force behind why I can do those things is because mm. of the hope I have in heaven. I mean, once Ava left, like that veil was torn. Where it's not like heaven is a different realm, and here I am on earth. But really, like, I I can almost touch heaven like I can almost right, sense it right. right there and um and so as I look as I work through this life of mine and the fears and the anxieties I have they pale when I think about my eternity with mm. the ones I love you know and and yeah. um that's actually what helps me and that's not what helps everybody but I think this hope of heaven um my my verse that I came away with after all this happened was um I have a hope that's firm you know, um, mm. like an anchor. That's, that's my, that's what gets me through the day. And so when I think of heaven, I think of it so entirely differently than the way that I used to think of it. Like, Ooh, will I like it there? Is it going to be kind of like boring? <laughs> like, I don't know if I just yeah. want to like sit yep. there yep. and like sing songs. And, yep. um, and I read a little bit of Randy Alcorn's book on heaven yes. and right. Mm. And it just like transforms your idea of what that's right. like. And I often say like, this world, we think this is our reality and we're working and working and we think like heaven is this dream. But like, I think one day we're going to wake up and we're going to realize we'll be, you know, when we die and we wake up in heaven, I think we'll realize, oh my gosh, I just woke up from that terrible dream. And like right. now I'm right. here in my reality. Yes. And so that's how I get through each day, honestly. Wow. And that's how my fear is appeased because really nothing on earth is going to make me feel less fearful of the things that can happen yep. except yep. for the fact that God has conquered even wow. death, right? Christ has conquered wow. even death. And so really what have we to fear? We yep. don't have to fear. And so that's what I would say. It doesn't work for everybody. But I think when, when you have gone through a situation like that and when you realize that survival is possible yeah. and not only that, but flourishing is possible too. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that is a great thing that we miss out on, but it's something that, um, and I don't think I have time for the story, but it's something that I learned firsthand when I thought about what I wanted for Gwen. Like, what do mm -hmm. I want for Gwen, my daughter, who lost her best friend, who lost mm -hmm. her mom, quite frankly, for, for many, yeah. many years. That's the effects yeah. of cancer, right? You lose and you lose and you lose. Right. And I thought about her life and I thought, if I were to just sum up her, her life, like one word I want to give her for her life, yeah. you know, like you would think it'd be like broken or like, you know, right. barely surviving or whatever. But really the gift I want to impart to her is 
is flourishing. Like yeah. I want her to flourish in yeah. this in this fire that wrecked everything. But sometimes a right. fire happens so that new growth can happen too. And so right. what do I want to give her? I want to give her a life that flourishes on this earth, even though it's a temporary earth and it's a temporary mm-hmm. time. God gave us this time to make something of right. it. And so over fear, I want her to flourish and I want her to um, to grab onto the reality of heaven, but yeah. also be present on earth. And so that's, that's what right. I would impart to her. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so good. Esther, this is, I mean, just been an unbelievable conversation. And I thank you so thank much you for so your much. willingness to share and, and just, I mean, just your willingness to be vulnerable and um, let, let emotions come out. And I mean, you really moved us, all of us, as we're listening to you share this, share this story. And so I'd love for people to get connected to you. Um, where, where are spaces that people can connect with you? Or maybe if they have questions or if they want to find some of that solidarity as well, how can they, how can they do so? Sure. Um, so I still write on my, um, team brighter days page. It's um, a Facebook page that I started for Ava when she was um, going through her treatments. And so, um, and I continue to write after she passed. So if you want insight onto how I kind of dealt with the very real, um, emotions of, um, of grieving, um, you can find some of my posts there and, um, always message me through Facebook. Um, you can email me at estherborali at gmail.com. Um, and I'm always available to chat because that's part of, part of my, Part, part of my purpose I'm realizing is wow. to just help other moms that are going through really, really difficult times. That's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. Yes. Thank, thank you. you so much, Davey. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing as well. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And Esther Lee, so encouraging to hear from her. Yeah. I'm especially so after what she has walked through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my I'm goodness. just grateful that she's willing to be here. Grateful that she's sharing her story. And yeah, um, I know the, those I, are the kinds of people you borrow faith from, right? You're like, uh, I need some of your faith. Yes, absolutely. Like if you can talk about the peace of God with you in the midst of like everyone's nightmare, right. then I've, I want to borrow right. your faith. I want to know the God that you know for yeah. sure. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Esther, for being with yeah. us. That was incredible. Well, Aubrey, you know, we've been making it a habit to answer questions that people are posing on the community platform. I want to encourage you, if you have any questions, Aubrey and I would love to do our best to answer those in the short amount of time that we have right, right here. Right. You can go to nothingiswasted.com slash community and join our community platform. And right there on the main discussion feed of the community platform, pose a question, you know, uh, preface it with, hey, I'd love for... Davey and Aubrey to answer this on the podcast. We've actually been posting these answers to the discussion feed Mm -hmm. as well. Aubrey, I saw you posted a little bit of some on social media. We're doing some. Yes. So we want to make sure that you guys are being served the best that that we possibly can serve you. And so um, one of the questions that was asked recently, Aubrey, was something to the effect of I feel like that I'm putting in all the work. I feel like I'm doing all the right things. I'm taking rest. I'm seeing a counselor. I'm doing what I heard from this person. I'm doing all the different things that you guys prescribe in like the pain to purpose course as the framework for how to walk through trauma, tragedy, major life transition really well, but I'm not seeing the needle move. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I still feel, you know, lonely. I still feel depressed. I still feel hurting. I still, so, um, yeah. 
if someone were sitting down and having coffee with you, you know, knowing, not knowing a whole lot about their story, obviously we, we, we're, we have to infer a whole lot, yeah. right? But yeah. what would you, what would you say, Aubrey? Where would you point them first? Yeah. Um, several things come to mind. Um, and the first is, I mean, I, I'm thinking even of my own journey um, after part of part of my, you know, pain story is that my cousin Cameron, who was like a brother to me, like um, best friend growing up in 20, uh, well, eight years ago, Cameron um, stepped out onto a snow corner at Crater Lake National Park, Oregon, and took a picture of Crater Lake, sent it to me. I still have it. And then Cameron plummeted to his death. And it's been eight years in park rangers still haven't found his body there. And that's just like a loss that, you know, um, so it wasn't just losing Cameron, although that was certainly part of it, but it was just the tragic nature of it. Like, God, how could you, you know, your word says you'll keep my feet from slipping. And like you, you literally didn't do that for Cameron. And I can remember in, in the next probably couple years that followed, there was a season when I was like, I was trying really hard to like what I would say, access God's presence. Like I was, Mm. okay, I need to be silent. I need practice silence. Okay. I'm going to do the spiritual discipline of silence. Oh, you're telling me I need to, uh, like get in my prayer closet and pray every day. Okay. I'm going to get in my, Oh, I need to be journaling. Okay. I'm going to journal. Like I was, I was doing exactly what this person wrote in about doing all the quote unquote right things to try to almost like power my way through my grief to access the presence of God. Cause all I could feel was God's absence. Wow. And I, I, I felt like God's, like I was like a bull in God's presence or God's grace was a China shop. You know what I mean? Like I was like flailing around like a mad woman. And I remember meeting with a spiritual director at the time saying this to her and she was like, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure, you know, Mm. and she said, uh, (laughs) you you always wonder what's coming. Right. right, Well, you just did. That's your question. question (laughs) Right. Right. We're done now. (laughs) She said, can you remember like before your grief, a time when you have sensed God's presence with you? And of Mm. course I immediately started to panic. Like I, this is very me, but you know, I'm like, I don't know. I've never sensed God's presence. I'm not a Christian. I, I don't need, you know, and she's like, (laughs) just calm down. Like, right, right. She's like, why don't we just be quiet and ask God to remind you of some ways that he showed up in your life in the past. Mm. So we were silent for a while. And I just began to remember little ways that God, like, okay, when I was a little girl, I remember God did this sweet thing. And I, I can remember conversations I'd had and almost like very basic moments of my faith when I was Mm. kind of an early Christian. But she said, Aubrey, do you know what all of those things have in common? And I was like, Mm. not a clue. And she said, grace. And Mm. she said, it is the grace of God that opens up the veil. It is not you doing all the right things. It is not you wrestling correctly. It is not even you grieving correctly the grace of God that opens up the veil so that you can experience uh, like this, this person who wrote in like that needle moving forward again. And I'm telling you that to say, sometimes um, we simply have to surrender and there are seasons for therapy and Sabbath and silence. And there are seasons just to kind of stop and rest. Yeah. And um, I, if that's you, I think I, I, this might be the Holy Spirit saying to you, 
friend, you don't have to try so hard in your grief. Like just, mm. you can rest a little bit and, and wow. God loves you in that. And God's going to meet you in that. And I would wow. say the other thing is this, like, we want to feel God's presence. We do. And I think we need that. And yeah. I think God is kind to give that to us. But the reality is God's presence is near and with us, whether or not we feel him. And so sometimes we just have to trust that like, okay, I don't feel the needle moving forward. I don't feel the things I want to feel right now. But what I know truly, because God's word has told me, is that God is here. God is close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those who are crushed in spirit. So I think sometimes too, even as you're resting, like lean into the Bible truth that you can depend on that even when you don't feel God, he's there. Even when you don't feel like you're moving forward, God's there, you know, and, and and lastly, I I would say this, I want you to give yourself grace because sometimes, and Davey, you know, this very clear there, there are, God meets us on earth. There are some parts of grief that we are not going to see total wholeness or healing until we meet Jesus face to face. And I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to give you permission. Like there's no rushing through this. That's it. Yeah. Keep, keep leaning towards God. Keep surrendering. Keep resting. Be gracious and kind to yourself and trust that like God's in it, even, even if it doesn't feel like it. Right. Yeah. That's so good. You know, sometimes I think we almost think we, in order to kind of get up and move toward our purpose, Mm -hmm. we have to be done with the grief part of it. Right. And so it, can almost subconsciously cause us to want to expedite that. It's yeah. like, I just want to move beyond this. Mm. I just don't, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm. And I love what you said there, Aubrey. This is the, everything that those instances had in common was it's grace. It was yeah. God. And grace is a gift that cannot be manufactured. It's unmerited favor. It's unmerited. That's right. That's right. And, and so it's like, my our tendency is like, well, how do I access that grace? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> what do I do to get that grace? <laughs> how do I do, give me the check? Yeah, checklist. Like, yeah. I want the boxes to be able to. Yeah, and that's perfectly natural human behavior. I think there are some of us that are wired that way yeah. toward doing and striving. And mm-hmm. God's lesson for us is probably just sit down and rest, my child. Be more of a a Mary than a Martha. Yep, yep. And then there are some of us who are just. We're we're sitting on our mat, and he's going. Get up! You, re- you ready to get up? <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's go! Right. Yep. So, and Christy and I have talked about this. Like some people, we you have to know your propensity. Like, That's true. Part of grief makes you more aware of self. Yeah. Of going, okay. I found that I like to take my grief and control it. Yeah. I found that for me personally, I like to be the one in the driver's seat. Yep. Yet God didn't meet me in those moments where I controlled it. He met me in those moments where I just said, Lord, you're going to have to take care of this. That's right. Yeah. And then as he gave me instruction, right, divine instruction, as I did those, he would keep meeting me. But it wasn't necessarily this like, I've got this plan mapped out for my healing. That's not. (laughs) Right. It was like, I'm surrendered to your process and what you want to do, Lord. Yeah. And I, you know, and then, and then know if your propensity is the other, where Mm -hmm. you tend to be more. Uh, slothful in general, or tend to be more laissez-faire and passive, yeah. then potentially God's kind of going, hey, let's go. Yep. It's time like, for you to pick up your mat. Time to do yeah. something here. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I think that's helpful to think about it in those terms. That's good. And, and like what you said, to give yourself permission. Wow. 
to just, this is a, this is going to be a process. This is going to be a process. This is going to be a process. I think people um, think you like sort of quote, graduate from grief. And certainly you find that your grief is, is held in a different way and by God. And certainly you find that you learn to live with it, but I don't know. I don't know anyone. And I know a lot of grievers and so do you. And I don't know anyone who just is like, now I'm done. Like it's done. Right. That's just not the grief journey. Right. Um, And there's certainly seasons then you, you can get to places where, you know, it's not debilitating. Yes, and it's exactly, exactly. So heavy that right. you walk around forlorn all the time. Yes. Like you can feel happy. You can again. feel happy. You can, you can feel, feel hope. You can dream of a new again. day. Yeah. Right. And also while you're still working through and sorting through this stuff, you can still wake up and be on purpose. You're, you're limping along sometimes in your purpose. And that's mm-hmm. actually probably more how God designs us to walk out our purpose. Probably right, Davey. Yeah. Right. Rather than with a swagger. Yeah. We're walking with a limp. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Anyways, I hope that's helpful to you guys. Um, Aubrey, I loved, I loved everything you said right there. I don't feel like there's anything else I can add to that. Um, I love these questions that we get. So, so good. We want to encourage you to ask more questions. Yep. Community, join the community platform. Nothing is slash community. Um, we'd love to encourage you to join community plus there's all kinds of bonus content there, bonus episodes, mini courses, masterclass replays, live coaching replays. Just check it out. Nothing is wasted.com slash community plus. And um, we want to thank sleeping at last for providing all the music for the nothing is wasted podcast. You can listen to download stream is music anywhere where you can listen to download and stream music. And um, we also want to encourage you to follow us on Instagram at nothing is wasted ministries. We do giveaways there frequently. We're going to keep you up to date on things that are happening uh, you can follow me at Davy Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. If you want to hear some really, really great preaching, follow Aubrey at Obsamp. <laughs> and I'm telling you, girl, you're a powerhouse. Oh, you're a powerhouse. Davey, stop it. Stop it. Stop. I love it. I love it. Um, next week, we have an unbelievable conversation. Um, man, it is. A, this, this story rocked me. It is because it's very akin to my story. Mm. Um, and so you're going to, you're going to want to tune in and listen to my conversation with Laura. Howe. go ahead and take a listen to this clip from that conversation that we're going to feature next week. We were getting very tired though. It was a lot to keep up yeah. with and I had four kids. So Um, it had been a couple years since we had been back to the States. So we decided to take a summer and come back and visit churches. I get back, we get back to the U S and there's just a sigh of relief. Oh, Mm. we're finally safe for a couple months. Um, I was so excited about getting back. Of course, like just the last six months have been amazing and I wanted to keep in that momentum, but it was just really good to have a break. Yeah. And a sense of safety. And so we planned this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, not have to adjust your, (laughs) regain your peace every morning. Um, So we go over um, on the start on this long trip to go cross country, visiting um, churches and supporters and friends. And we stop, the first stop we pick is in Kansas city where they have a large prayer house there and rolled my kids in camp. I was looking forward to spending time and the prayer room and that second night there, I'm packing my little girl's bag for camp the next day, and somebody says, oh, we heard gunshots. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I didn't think much of it, but you know, I decided it kind of clicks. Well, my husband was supposed to be walking home, so I, I me mean, walking back to our friend's house, and I give him a call. He doesn't answer. I go outside, and he was across the street, um, lying in the grass. <laughs>